0: Welcome back to the Hawks Report, everyone. I'm glad to be back with you. I'm Lauren Williams, the beat reporter here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We've got plenty to talk about today with everything that's happened this week, Daniel. Do you remember everything that happened this week?
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting week for the Hawks. Uh, a little bit of alternating wins and losses, which is something that we have seen a lot with this team in the past year and, and some during this year as well. But um, nonetheless, they're they're okay right now. But uh, lots to discuss on the show.
0: Absolutely. And if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to, of course, rate, review, subscribe, wherever it is you guys get your podcasts. This is... Welcome back to the Hawks Report. So I think the biggest thing, Daniel, that we have to talk about, and even though you already touched on it, there's been some high-scoring games, something bigger than that happened this past week for the Hawks. They lost one of their breakout stars on Saturday when the Hawks faced the Wizards. Jalen Johnson exited that game early in the second quarter. And we later found out that it was due to a fractured distal radius. <laughs> so basically he fractured one of the you know bones in his hand. Uh, fortunately for him, it's not his shooting hand. Uh, so he should be reevaluated in about four weeks, which of course does not mean that he'll be back and ready to go and cleared to practice again. But it's the best case scenario when you think about how that injury went down, how much momentum he had hitting the ground and the amount of pain he was in when he came up and and exited the game. So for those who might have missed it, which I'm not sure how you would unless you're (laughs) living under a rock. But for those who may have missed it, hopefully you guys will come out of your rock and join us and and you know, tell us how it was under that rock, but come back and join us. Jalen was running in transition after he picked off Kyle Kuzma again in the Hawks Saturday night game against the Wizards in Washington, D.C. And as he was going up to make that dunk, he got pretty much pushed out of bounds is, I think, the best way to describe how that happened. And he fell on his hand and he immediately crumpled in pain. It looked really, really painful from where I was sitting, where a lot of the fans were sitting. And you know, we we all thought that it was a lot worse than it was. He split a pair of free throws after he drew that foul off of Kuzma. And that second one, he could only shoot it with one hand, which was his right hand. So again. You know, all things considered, it's not as bad as a lot of people had anticipated. And it's a big loss for the Hawks, though. They lose one of their top rebounders who's averaging about 7.2 rebounds per game this season. You know, he initiates quite a bit of the Hawks' offense, particularly in moments when he's grabbing rebounds and taking it in transition. Of course, the Hawks still have their top playmakers in Trey Young and DeJounte Murray, but Jalen Johnson was quite a factor in the Hawks' offense. You know, Trey Young would find him for plenty of lobs up top. Again, we talk about his ability to score in transition. He's a big presence on the defensive end, not just with rebounding, but just being a big body that can go toe-to-toe with a lot of other teams big guys in the front court. So it's a tough loss for them. And, and I think it was very clear how much of a tough loss it was for them in their game against the Boston Celtics just one night after they played the Wizards in Washington, D.C. So, you know, on top of losing Jalen Johnson, you know, the Hawks had to play on the second night of a back-to-back against one of the top defenses in the league and and then just the top team in the league. When you look at the the current standing. so just a tough go all around over the last couple of days for the Hawks. Of course, they did win that game in Washington D.C., so they now move to two and zero against the Wizards. But they again they followed that game up with a loss to Boston. But it was it was a it was a good game. I mean, they they fought to the end, but it was clear that they were missing Jalen Johnson, particularly when you think about how the Celtics out-rebounded them by about 15 rebounds. So, yeah, a, a big presence Jalen Johnson has on this team.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we were kind of counting on Jalen to kind of be that breakout star, I think, for Atlanta this year. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, not only in Atlanta but around the league, thought this could be a great season for Jalen getting an opportunity to start, you know, exchange mm-hmm. some minutes with Sadiq Bay. Then mm-hmm. the injury happens, and we talked about, too, how injuries can really affect certain teams around the league and who would have thought mm-hmm. that it would be mm-hmm. Atlanta that uh, now has to deal with their first major injury. And I say major, because it is, I think a significant injury for Atlanta, just it's the way you mentioned yeah. that Jalen was playing. So now it's time for Sadiq Bay to really kind of step up. And then Lauren, does this mean that AJ Griffin kind of gets not thrown in there, but do, do you add a little bit more of him into the rotation? How does the rotation change now with Jalen Johnson out for at least a month?
0: Yeah, I think that you can expect to see a little bit more of A.J. Griffin. But what's going to keep A.J. on the floor is his ability to play defense. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons I believe uh, Jalen kind of inched ahead of him last season when Coach Snyder came in and you know, he was evaluating what this team needed. And and again, Jalen's just so versatile in so many ways. And again, he took a really good and big step forward on the defensive end. And, and again, like I said, he's, he's been a huge presence for them on that side of the the ball, you know, being a guy that's there to help out Clint Capella down low, Um, you know, he can go out on the wing and help out guys like DeAndre Hunter and DeJounte Murray. So, yeah, I think, it's going to be a huge—the Hawks are going to need, as you mentioned, Sadiq Bey, to take a huge step uh, forward, particularly on the defensive end. I mean, Sadiq's been great in on-ball situations, but off the ball, you can still see him getting lost a little bit and, you know, guys getting wide-open shots from the outside. And that's a similar situation with A.J. Griffin. It's it's just these guys have to work on their defense off the ball. and you know, particularly with this Hawks team and their pensions for letting guys uh, get hot from outside, um, they're going to need all the help that they can get off the ball. So, yeah, I think we can see maybe a little bit more of AJ Griffin, particularly when they need more shooting. But I think we're going to see Coach Snyder kind of lean a little bit more on guys like Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, Again, Sadiq Bey, just because he is a bigger body, he's a very strong guy. He can You know, particularly when other players are posting him up, he's similar to Jalen where he doesn't really give up a lot of ground. So, again, he's good in on-ball situations. So, again, that's kind of where he takes a little bit of a, the word I'm looking for, a move ahead or a a bigger presence. Or or, uh, he moves ahead a little bit more in terms of the case of getting more minutes over a guy like A.J., Um, Again, Sadiq's been a regular person in the rotation. He's a a starter. He has plenty of experience there. Um, But then I also think we potentially see a little bit more from Wesley Matthews. You know, he's been on a minutes restriction since he returned to the rotation a few games ago, about 10 minutes per night. Uh, And they've been trying to monitor that half strain that he's, you know, dealt with at the beginning of the season. But, you know, with with uh, Jalen Johnson out they're going to need his defense and you know particularly in that Boston game I thought there were several possessions at least you know one-on-one when he was going with Tatum where he was making things difficult for him but then on the flip side there are a couple of possessions where you saw him kind of just you know tip his hat to, to Tatum as he ended up blowing by him and but that's a again that's a, a veteran a veteran presence who can help organize things in ways that a second-year wing may not be able to like AJ Griffin. And so, yeah, I, I think that's kind of where I stand. Yes, yes, I, to answer your question, we see a little bit more from AJ, but I also think we're going to be seeing more from Bay McDonavich, and Matthews, Wesley Matthews, that
1: is. You can certainly use Matthews' shooting, you know, if he can get back to his Mm -hmm. old ways of what he can do behind the three-point line. So potentially adding something that Jalen wasn't really as strongest at was a three-point shooting. You can definitely Mm -hmm. add that with Matthews a little bit. Obviously, you lack the size, as you mentioned, with Mm Jalen off the floor now. But between Sadiq, between Bogdan, and between uh, Wesley Matthews, you do have that three-point shooting, which you certainly need in Mm -hmm. this league and, and on this roster. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see what Quinn Snyder does now kind of having the shuffle and he hasn't really had a lot of time. It was on a back to back. So like you mentioned, I Mm -hmm. thought they did play pretty well against Boston. I know they don't like moral Mm -hmm. victories, but any back to back, you can (laughs) split it and you're facing the number one team in the East. I mean, it goes to show you, you you know, you, you lack that firepower, certainly with the offense scoring just 103 points. But at the same time, again, you lost Jalen Johnson for the game. Coming in, you lose yeah. an hour on the back-to-back. I, I thought, again, with the expectations of that game, I thought they, with all things considered, they played pretty well.
0: And to to be quite frank, the fact that they held the Celtics to just 113 points, granted the Celtics, you know, after that game have been averaging about 115.8 points a game, but you're, you're still, again, you don't want to take away moral victories, but you're still holding a team under its average. It's, it's pretty, pretty solid. And, you know, the fact that they, that the Hawks had been shooting quite well early in the game, despite, you know, their struggles inside the paint, I, you know, it was their three-point shooting that really saved them and kind of kept them in things. You had a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich not missing a shot until there was like about one and a half minutes left in the third quarter. You know, Trey was shooting lights out, had 20 points by the end of the first half. And then finally, when they came back from the locker room, you had a guy like DeAndre Hunter kind of get into form and get into rhythm, and he ended the night with 23 points. Of course, you want to see the rest of the guys, you know, find their rhythm. It's certainly not helpful that Deshante Murray was struggling offensively, going 0 for I think he was like 0 for eight or 0 for nine up until about there was like 4 448 left in the game, and then he finally made his first field goal he'd been getting to the line but hadn't been able to knock shots down so you're not going to see a ton of nights like that from a guy like Dejounte Murray but you really do hope that they're few and very far between (laughs) so yeah you know they made things tough for the Celtics again you mentioned they're the number one team in the east Um, they're one of the top defenses in the league and For them to be able to try and take advantage from the outside, something that, you know, last season they really struggled with, you you see them taking steps forward in the right direction. But I think, again, with this Hawks team, consistency is really the key. And that's kind of what continues to do them in on both ends of the floor. And I think particularly because they want – Their defense to dictate their offense they have to be a lot more consistent on that end
1: yeah i think that's a good point before we kind of go to a break here kind of this last week Mm -hmm. epitomizes the lack of consistency they have on both ends he scored 152 Mm -hmm. points this is the first game after our last podcast which was that in-season tournament Mm -hmm. game against the pacers he scored 152 points and lose to the Pacers. Yeah. And then the next night, it takes you 147 points to beat the Nets mm-hmm. in overtime. So you're thinking, while, wow, offense While up
0: 145 points.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so in, those, in that stretch, then, you're averaging, allowing 150-plus points in two games, but you also scored almost 150 points per game. Then it's kind of the opposite. You do score a lot against Washington, 136. You allow 108. You're thinking, wow, that's great. Then the next night, again, some circumstances factor in. You only score 103 you let up 113 which is not too bad i know celtics were missing a couple people too like drew holiday and porzingis but still so you're right and and maybe this is something we discussed after the break and you know someone tweeted you about it is team snip snap coming back again and and you know i thought for a second that no i think it's a little too early but I don't know, Lauren, you might have to convince me that maybe this is not Team Snip Snap because I'm um, getting a little concerned about how the you met, talk about the consistencies. It's a, little, it's a little inconsistent right now for this ball club.
0: For sure. And I'm right there with you on the concern front with Team Snip Snap being back. You know, they've gone between and gone above and below 500 uh, way too many times this early in the season, if we're being honest, but as you mentioned, we're gonna continue talking about that after the break. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Okay. hop is a product of Black people. It's a product of Black song, The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just wanted to take this time to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC as well as AJC.com. I can't stress enough how much you guys make this possible. The AJC does have a special offer for podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more on ajc.com. But yeah, Team Snip Snap is back. So, as far as going above and below 500, the Hawks have done that, you know, over their last, what, four games? Because they were above 500, you know, in their loss to, following their loss to the Sixers. But then they dropped their game against the Pacers. Then they won two straight. And then they lost last night, or excuse me, Saturday night to the Celtics. So they're currently 8-8, eight eight, back to 500. <laughs> it's be- I mean, it's better to be at 500 than, you know... The other the other option uh, that's worse than having a winning record or than than being 500. Obviously, we want to see the Hawks have a winning record. And I think they can still get there. You know, there's still a lot of games left. They've only played 16 games, which means that there's still 66 games left in the regular season. Isn't that wild?
1: I know it's going by so fast, I feel like
0: it has it's. Speeding by. But again, there's still plenty of time for them to right the ship. You know, the Hawks do, they did have one of the harder schedules to kind of open the season, if we're being honest. And um, again, the fact that they're staying within 500, facing some tough opponents like the Pacers, who are the top offense in the league, it's admirable, especially considering, you know, you bring in a new coach, you're learning a new system. Trey and DeJounte are still kind of figuring things out. And then now with the loss of Jalen Johnson, there's still plenty of time. (laughs) That's my point.
1: Let me ask you this then, though. You talk about Trey and DeJounte still trying to figure things out. How long does it have to take for them to try to figure things out? They've played a full season now. I understand there's a new coach involved, but that new coach had at least a half of year with them and then now 16 games in. At what point do you have to say like, all right, is this going to happen or are they going to work well together or or not? It's just more of a it's not attacking you. This is more just a legitimate question of like, how long does it take for them to get figured out?
0: I think that's the question that we're all trying to figure out, particularly because they had such specific styles of play when you tried to put them together last season and um, they kind of got a sense of what worked, which. Well, rather, what didn't work, which was going ISO every other possession, and so we're seeing them share the ball quite a bit more uh, this season. And you know, as we talk about eight different players averaging double digits through the first 16 games, is pretty solid. But at this at this point, you know, I I'm uh, being a little I'll be a little frank. I, I expected that they we would be seeing you know, so, some more evenly split games between them. Um, I'm going to call what happened on Saturday night for for Murray an, an anomaly because there's just no way a guy can have as poor of a shooting night as he did every single night or or whatever the case may be. But, yeah, I just, I I thought that, you know, we would have been seeing more positives. And I think we did kind of at the beginning of the season, but. Now it's just I, I I don't have the answer for that.
1: <laughs> I know it's um, it's, it's kind of tough to you know, and, and I is. agree with you. I, I think Murray's game the other night was not what he normally has, and I think it's been one of the few nights since he's joined the the Hawks that he's had a night like that. So I don't want to mm-hmm. even I'm not worried about Dejounte Murray and his play, but you know we talk about adjusting and how much time and. You know, again, we go back all the way to the beginning of the season when we were previewing. You talked about how you still wanted a bigger sample size as far as how long it will take them. And and we're kind of getting close to that because you said 20 to 25 games or through 16 games. So it's kind of sneaking up, I should say, on on us as far as how many games they played. But, you know, you just hope that this is not the same team that you saw last year. You have a new coach. You have new hopes. And you were hoping that this team can click. And again, now the, the injury, not saying you have an excuse, but it does kind of deter a little bit of what you were trying to build already with this roster. And now you have to adjust a little bit. But every every NBA team has to deal with this when it comes to injuries all year long. So, you know, I just, you know, we talk about the eight and eight and alternating wins and losses and inconsistencies. You're right. It doesn't get any easier, too. You have the Cavaliers on Tuesday. Then you uh, hit Wemby Mania on, in San Antonio on Thursday before closing yeah. out a tough road trip against Milwaukee on Saturday, which you have beaten before, but um, it's hard to beat that team twice in the season, yet alone um, within the, like a month or so. So, And then you ha- have, a, I think, eventually that long break from the in-season tournament where they do the quarterfinals and all that, which will be much needed. But at the same time, you're just kind of curious as far as what do they need to do to get a winning streak going here because I think that's what they need just to even if it's a three game winning streak to sh- you know yeah. show some growth that they are making progress
0: yeah I think the thing that I definitely want to see is just consistent effort on defense and I think we're move you know I think they've moved in the right direction in terms of that you know. I think they're getting stops, but I I think the big step that they need to take now is really getting those stops, particularly when, you know, not when their back is against the wall, but when, when they're out in front, not letting teams, you know, go on these, these runs that either, you know, drop their lead to single digits when they've been up double digits for quite a bit of time, or, you know, particularly when, you know, they're they're close to getting over the hump and it's just like one or two possessions, maybe three possessions, kind of like what happened on Saturday night against the Celtics are, are, are keeping them from that. And so we've seen them do that before against teams like Milwaukee and, and Minnesota on a back-to-back early in the season, but it's as if they've now kind of, Maybe lost a little bit of that. Maybe maybe it's not that they've lost the edge. What am I trying to say? It's it's as if now teams have you know extra film on them, they they really see what works, and now it's about the Hawks being able to adjust better on the fly. You know, we see Snyder take those timeouts to to kind of readjust the team, and and now it's it's about guys like Trey Young and Dejounte Murray making those adjustments without without needing Snyder to kind of reset them. Does that make sense? I think a sign of growth and and maturity is that those guys, especially because they're they're quarterbacking things on the offensive end, you want to see them step up even more as leaders on the defensive end and, and, and really lead the communication. Uh, so that they're not having those breakdowns, and you know, I think we're starting to see a little bit of that from a guy like Trey Young. We saw it on, on on Saturday night when they faced the Wizards, but now you you want to see that sort of stuff happen against top teams like the Celtics, and you know, you, you mentioned Milwaukee that they they play on the second of December. So, yeah, I think that's kind of the next step that you you want to see them take, especially consistently. I, again, that C word really comes up. It's you know, particularly when, when things aren't going well, that the communication continues, you know, that it doesn't break down and, and you're leaving your teammates on islands by themselves. you you got to see them communicate all the way through the possession, not just when, you know, they make that initial stop or or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I think they only go as far as their defense will take them this year. And the mm-hmm. th- phrase we used last year was consistently inconsistent. And mm-hmm. again, I don't think we're there just yet, but I think we're approaching those types of levels here. If it doesn't yes. turn around because that de- defense will dictate their offense. We know they can score. We know they have the talent to do so. You have one of the better back courts in the NBA with Murray and Trey Young, and you have some shooters in Bogdan. And you, you, This team has talent. We know that. But if they were relying on their defense a little more dictate their offense, you know, you can't have those games where you're letting up 150 plus points in back to back games. I know pace dictates some of that in those games, but still you need it to be more on that wizards and Celtics game level, 108 points allowed, 113 points allowed. That will put you in every ball game for the most part every night. Besides sometimes where the offense just isn't happening or, you know, they're just not shooting well, but if you can stay around those numbers for each game, you're at least giving yourself a chance to win no them out the opponent. It's just whether they can put that together for more than one or two straight games. And we haven't seen that yet this year. You're just hoping that it or, starts, you know, it. even against Cleveland on Tuesday.
0: I was going to say, not even just like one or two games. It's, it's you know, a full, just a full 48 minutes. Right. Or you know, that's that's kind of the thing. And some of that inconsistency, it, it tends to happen even within the span of those 48 minutes where you have quarters where, um, you know, there's a lull in the defensive presence or defensive effort and it, it then affects the offense because then, you know, they're not getting shot, not getting stops, and then their shots stop falling, even though they're getting good looks, and then they get frustrated, and then, um, you know, sometimes the whistle doesn't go their way. Just a lot of contributing factors. And, um, you know, Quinn Steiner had a, a really good quote after Sunday's loss to the Celtics. He talked about them playing through adversity. And, of course, adversity comes in many different ways. At first, you mean them losing Jalen Johnson the night before. Uh, then you talk about maybe the... Imbalance in terms of whistles, not necessarily in terms of amount, but just the types of whistles. Um, you know, based on who set the tone of the game early, then being able to kind of retake and reset the tone and and demand the type of whistles that you know they that they're worthy of. Um, you know, so for example, last night or excuse me, Sunday night in, in the Celtics game, it just felt as though you know the Celtics were committing roughly about the same amount of fouls as the Hawks, but the Hawks just seemed to be sending the Celtics to the line more, even though it ended up balancing out. uh, There was a stretch where it was just whistle after whistle after whistle, and that is a momentum stopper. So it's just things like that that I think is going to, you know, show their growth and maturity as a team uh, because you still – Forget that they are relatively young, even though, you know, they have several years of experience among those top guys.
1: Yeah, and I think I I mean, like you said, there's still time and I I think it will Mm -hmm. come. And yeah, I think having that edge sometimes will certainly go a long way. You don't really see them. I wouldn't say you know there's times where it gets physical and you know teams have to be separated mm-hmm. you don't see that a lot from this hawks team and i'm not saying that Mm-mm. you know it's not any it gets them break out. <laughs> yeah you don't mm-hmm. i don't want them to have fights break out you know you don't want to see that but at the same time sometimes i think you do want to see the emotion come out a little bit and, mm-hmm. and there might not have been situations yet where they needed to i'm not saying but you know mm-hmm. have those kind of moments where that could spark this team you know it takes a you know, in baseball the managers sometimes will go out and get ejected because, you know, it kind of riles mm-hmm. up their team, it gets them going a little bit. And I think Quint Snyder's yeah. had a couple of technicals here, so it's not I'm not Obviously. saying that he hasn't. Um done his thing, but yeah. you know, you, you do want to see that sometimes show a little show a little fight. And I'm again, yeah, I'm not saying that I this team closest- is not showing fight, but you want to have that edge right. a little bit, I think, that you just don't see out of this team.
0: And I was gonna say, I think the closest we kinda saw that was when DeAndre Hunter got ejected from that Philly right. game and he was just letting letting some you know not nice words <laughs> we, again you, you talk about Quinn Snyder and and some of the technicals he's brought up and um or he's pulled um, so i think we're seeing some of that fight we saw a little bit of that on, Saturday, on Sunday, when they faced the Celtics, Trey picked up a technical. And then just maybe a few minutes later, Wesley Matthews picked up a technical because, you know, they're trying to demand that referees be a little bit more fair in the whistles that they're giving on, on both sides of the floor.
1: For sure. Maybe, they'll, so, maybe we'll see that edge, you know, one more in-season tournament game on Tuesday against Cleveland. Yeah. I know they're eliminated, but... You know, maybe we'll see that not edge. Not quite yet. Not quite yet.
0: Actually, not quite yet. I I made a mistake. I I thought that. So I I read the scenario wrong and didn't realize that it was a a Milwaukee loss and a Heat Heat loss. I thought it was just either or. Um, and so even though the Heat lost, I thought that um, just the Milwaukee win. Would secure or would eliminate them, but no, they're still technically in it. They just are in a very tough position now, where several teams have to lose in order, and they have to win in order for them to, um, you know, make a run for that wild card spot.
1: In words of Dumb and Dumber, you're saying there's a chance on Tuesday. There's
0: always a chance. (laughs) There's always a chance. But yeah. So we'll see what happens on Tuesday. We'll see what happens on Tuesday. I think it'll be a good game. We'll see uh, Donovan Mitchell uh, you know, go up against his former coach, uh, Quinn Snyder. So that will be fun. And then they're just a team that can absolutely kill you from the three-point line um, with guys like Mitchell and, and Darius Garland. Uh, Dean Wade is actually out tomorrow, so they don't have to – worry too much about them, but they did add George Niang and Max Struess. So those are some guys who can make you pay if you're not careful. And then of course they've got the Twin Towers and Jared Allen and, and Evan Mobley. And that's gonna be a tough fight for some of those bigs um in the paint going up against those guys. Of course uh Sadiq Bey will likely get the like the get the start again um with Jalen Johnson out um so it'll be interesting to see what some of Snyder's uh rotation adjustments will be as he tries to outmaneuver J.B. Bickerstaff on Tuesday
1: yeah this is the game where you're gonna see how much you miss Jalen Johnson with just that height you mentioned between Mobley and Jared Allen so Hopefully the Hawks can adjust, but certainly a a, a tough start for the post-Jalen Johnson era for this least month with, with that matchup against mm-hmm. Cleveland.
0: Absolutely. But we'll be here, just like always, uh, keeping track of what's happening with the Hawks and giving you the stories behind the score. I'm Lauren Williams, the beat reporter at the AJC, and of course joined by trusty handy-dandy producer Daniel Sallison, And
1: I'll talk to you guys next time. This is the Hot Report. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.
0: And I'm Ned Ravone, Mm -hmm. lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody.
1: It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black
0: culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities, Atlanta's thriving arts scene, and the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at
1: www.ajc.com slash unapologeticallyATL.
0: Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.